The songwriter put it like this, Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way, for thou art the potter and we are the clay. Mold us and make us after thy will, while we are waiting, yielded and still. This is my prayer for all of us as we turn this studio into a sanctuary and worship the living God. My name is Hal Brady, and I'm so delighted you've joined me tonight for this worship service. My prayer, as always, is that you will be blessed both by the Word and the music. Would you hear now, please, the reading of God's Word? It comes from Paul's second letter to Timothy, beginning at chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, for the sake of the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I am grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did, when I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, recalling your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you join me please for prayer? O oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, which art our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It is said that Frederick Douglass was giving a talk once, and in the congregation was Harriet Tubman, the captain of the Underground Railroad. When it seemed that Douglass's zeal was flagging, immediately 
Harriet Tubman stood up and said, Is God dead, Frederick? Is God dead, Frederick? Whenever I see the fires of faith burning low, I remember this call and serious call to arms. And today I sense the fires of faith are burning low in our time. People are desperate for meaning. People are leaving the church. People are more materialistic, more pleasure-oriented, more agnostic, and more despairing. Perhaps the words of the great poet describe our world's condition. The world is a chaos crying out for a way of life, an insanity crying for an ordered mind, a lost soul crying to be found of God. Why are the fires of faith burning low in our time? Possibly these are some of the reasons. First of all, is our separation from the Scriptures. Now we have more and more access to the Bible, but many of us are simply separated from the stories in the Bible. It is said that John Wesley once said, Is your heart as my heart? Then give me your hand. Many people have used that statement to say that Wesley wasn't too concerned with what we Methodists believe, but that is a wrong understanding. Even though Wesley was never interested in splitting theological hairs, he was concerned with sound doctrine. I want you to listen here to what he said at the funeral of his friend George Whitfield. Wesley said, Let us hold fast the essentials of the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints, and which this champion of God so strongly insisted on at all times and in all places. Let us let the non-essentials go, but let us hold fast to the essentials of faith. This is the way Wesley put it, and this was what he was about. The great truths of our faith are all biblical truths. So what happens when we separate ourselves from the Scriptures, these truths begin to wane, and our faith begins to wane. And then a second cause for our loss of faith is wars, disasters, and the problem of suffering in the world. We might call this the silence of God. Why did God let this happen? Why does a good God let this happen to me? These are human cries. Whenever we have trouble in the world, we want some explanation. We want some voice to speak to us. And yet as we listen for the voice, we hear nothing but lingering silence. As Isaiah put it truly, Thou art a God who hides thyself. And then a world of increasing knowledge, thirdly, has carried people to a loss of faith. John Killinger talked about a, a young girl, a graduate school girl, who was distraught. She was a history major. She had made good grades in college, and she started her doctorate program with great anticipation. But one day she was sitting in the library, and she said she suddenly felt of all the knowledge in that room. It seemed that all the books were speaking at one time. It was a terrifying experience, and she ran out of the room. There is so much information in the world today. What does a person believe? And who does a person believe? We have different religious systems. Religions have different religious systems. And then there is science and all of the advancements of science, test tube babies and wonder-working drugs and all of that. What does a person believe? What does a person believe? God himself seems to be a God of the gaps. And then the doubts of others have caused us to lose faith in God. Let me tell you something, if we are brought up under a continuing bombardment of secularism, atheism, humanism, relativism, with no 
other word that gets us in another world, we are not going to be people of great faith. If we are brought up without a church, if we are brought up without prayer, without Bible reading, without grace before meals, we are not going to be people of great faith, to be sure. Frederick, Frederick, is God dead? Repeating, this is the point. I see faith is burning low in our times. Now, this is essentially the message of our scripture. Here we have Paul talking to Timothy. Paul wanted Timothy to complete the task by which God had given him. But Timothy was young, and he was very susceptible to all of the varying kind of false teachings and things that were going on in his culture. So Paul wrote this letter to him, wanting to encourage him and reminding him of things that would lead to great faith. And I think he was speaking not only to Timothy, but to us. First of all, remember your heritage. Remember your heritage. Paul started off by reminding Timothy of his great heritage. He said, remember, your faith came through your grandmother Lois, then your mother Eunice, and now it's in you. You see, Timothy was a third-generation Christian, and he was humbly proud of that fact. You see, he not only was taught to believe, he had seen the faith right before his very eyes. Dr. Joseph Zizou, he was a professor of religion at George Washington University for a number of years. He said that when he was a child, his father would gather the family on Sunday nights, and he would take the big Bible, and he would read to the family from the Word of God. And he said his mother would always want him to sing hymns, and so they would sing hymns. And he said one hymn they sang had a chorus. It was not great poetry, and it was not going to win any awards, but he said it spoke to me, and these were the words that spoke to him. Dare to be Daniel. Dare to stand alone. Dare to have a purpose firm. Dare to make it known. Billy Graham said when his mother and father first started their marriage, they always read the scripture. He said they developed a, an altar and they read the scripture. It was not anything pious as far as they were concerned. They believed that the Bible was the word of God and they wanted to establish their home life on God and God's principles and God's word. And so they had the devotional life every single night of their marriage. They wanted God's blessing on their marriage. And then I remember the Reverend David Wilkerson, who was an outstanding minister from England, who was speaking at Epworth-by-the-Sea. And in his preaching, he simply said this. He said he owed a great deal to his grandmother, even though he didn't know his grandmother. She died when he was a little boy. But he said he remembered one thing she said to him. She said, don't worry, David. She said, I'm going to run in heaven. Now, this faith heritage that I'm talking about is a marvelous thing that we have. It's passed down to us from our foreparents, and it's expected to be passed on to our children through us. Personally, I remember one morning when my stepmother knocked on my door. I was a teenager, and she said, Hal, it's time to get ready to go to church. And I said, I don't believe I'm going to church today. Well, my stepmother didn't do anything. She just went and told the other family members. And then they began to say, well, I could hear, don't you know, Hal's not going to church today. Hal's not going to church today. Hal's not going to church today. Well, you know what happened. The more I listened, the more that got to playing around with my conscience. And so I got up and went to church. Now, this experience reminds me of how important the church and how important faith and how important God was to my family. And it reminded me of a story that I remember. This particular fellow 
mother knocked on the door one Sunday and said, it's time to go to church. And the son opened the door and said, Mother, I'm not going to church today, and there are two reasons why. He said, first of all, I don't like anybody over there, and nobody over there likes me. And she said to him, now, son, there are two reasons why you should go to church. She said, first of all, you're 42 years of age. And she said, second, you're the pastor of the church. When I started thinking about my faith heritage, I remember a day in Tallinn, Estonia, back in 1994, when I was with 160 members of the World Methodist Council. We were there for the laying of the cornerstone of the Baltic Seminary. I remember that one of the speakers said, when the communists were ruling things, they thought that when the grandmothers died, the church would die. But the wonderful thing is, the grandmothers never died. You see, the grandmothers prayed. And so now, the grandchildren are living the faith of the grandmothers through the grandmother's prayer. And the point of the matter is, the grandmothers never did die. They never did die. When you ask those seminary students in Tallinn why you're in seminary, more than half of them said, because of my grandmother's prayer. When the fires of faith begin to burn low, remember your heritage. And then secondly, fan the flame. Fan the flame. The issue here is that the inner ability that God had given Timothy, which was love and self-discipline and power, is beginning to weaken. It's weakening to the point that Timothy no longer has any strength. He's so timid now, he no longer has the courage to speak out. He no longer has any strength to live his faith. So what he needs to do is let that gift be rekindled. That gift needs to be rekindled so he can begin to speak out again. He can become a courageous witness of God in the faith. So Paul tells Timothy and us how he should do this in, in verses 6 and 7 of our text. This is what Paul says to Timothy and to us. He says, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. For God did not give you a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Now, while the Greek word may mean to rekindle or relight, it also means agitate, stir up, fan the flame. And that's what it means here. We're not talking about relighting a flame. We're talking about working and agitating a flame that's already going into its white-hot intensity. That's what we're talking about here. It's the gift of God within us. Stir it up. Agitate it. Make it what it really ought to be. You know, in 1 Kings chapter 3, there's a story of a, a king, a young king. God came to him in a vision, and God asked this young king, what do you want me to do for you? And so Solomon said, I'd like you to help me to have the wisdom to know how to govern these people wisely. God was pleased, and so he gave Solomon that gift. And so everything started out in a wonderful way, this reign of this young man. But 40 years later, everything had collapsed. The kingdom had collapsed. He was no longer close to his maker. What happened? The overwhelming thought of all the scholars is that Solomon, in his midlife, stopped stirring up the gift of God that was within him. And when he stopped stirring up the gift of God within him, a process of disintegration started taking place. And it always does that way. We either stir up the gift of God within us or a process of disintegration starts taking place. I remember Bishop Arthur Moore used to tell a story of a man from Georgia. He had been away from home for 12 years. He had been in prison. He'd made some wrong decisions and 
participated in some criminal activities, but he went home after 12 years. And one Sunday he went to church and he remembered what it was like in church. And so he gave his testimony. And this is what he said. He stood tall and said, I'm so glad to be back home. I want to tell you that while it's true that I have deserted my wife, forsaken my children, embarrassed my parents, stolen, lied, cheated, have served time in jail, I want you to know, my brothers and sisters, that not one time in all of that have I ever lost my religion. Let me tell you something about your religion. If your religion doesn't make a difference in how you live, if your religion doesn't make a difference in how you treat other people, then your religion is dead. Your religion has decayed. Let me say this one more time, beloved. We all have this gift from God. We either stir up the gift of God or that gift dies and decays before our very eyes. General William Booth of the Salvation Army started the Salvation Army in 1878. His goal was to drive all the social evils out of the world. He cared for the poor and the working masses. He had a philosophy, a creed. This was his creed, and I want you to listen to it. While some weep as they do now, I'll fight. While little children go hungry, I'll fight. While men in prison, in and out, in and out, as they are now, I'll fight. Where there is a drunkard left, where there is a poor lost girl upon the streets, where there remains one dark soul without the light of God, I'll fight. I'll fight to the very end. And General William Booth of the Salvation Army did fight to the very end. He died August 21st, 1921, and there were 150,000 people who attended his funeral. 150,000 people attended his funeral. Why? Because he was able to stir up the gift of God within him. He did not allow the gift to decay. And then thirdly, resolve to trust God's hold on you. Resolve to trust God's hold on you. Now Paul also said to Timothy these words, and this is so very, very important. He said to him, we can only keep on going after all by the power of God. Here are several definitions of faith. Faith is a choice. It's not a warm feeling. Faith is a leap of faith. I am not, I am not a person of faith. I am trying to be faithful. But the best definition of this faith that I know of is this one. Faith is being grasped. Faith is being grasped by God. East Andy Jones was a missionary to India. When he first got there, he said he was sick and he was depressed and everything was going bad. One day he said he went into a church and he went in there to pray. While he was there, God said to him, are you ready to do the work that I've called you to do? East Andy Jones said, no, sir. He said, I've run out of resources and I don't have a, a way to do them at all. And this is what God said to him. God said, if you'll put that trouble in my hands and not worry about it, he said, I'll take care of it for you. East Andy Jones said, he got up and said, I seal the deal right now. And he said, when he arose from his prayer, he was possessed with power and peace and full of love. Let me ask you something. Have you ever wondered why the church is still here? Remember, the church started in a little upper room. How in the world has the church made it through the years? How in the name of all this wonderful has the church been able to fight through the Hitlers and the Caesars and the terrorists and the principalities and the powers? How is the church still with us? Why has it not been wiped out and destroyed? I'll tell you why. 
because there has stood and still stands the living, reigning Lord of this universe in the center of the church's life. When the fires of faith began to burn low, remember your heritage, fan the flame, trust God's hold on you. Frederick, Frederick, is God dead? Let us pray. Lord, how thankful we are for this lesson from Paul to Timothy to us. We are grateful, O oh God, that you have entrusted us with your gift inside. And we ask, O oh God, that you would help us to fan the flame, to agitate, to keep this ablaze so that we may serve you more effectively and faithfully than ever before. Thank you for the people who are watching this program tonight. I pray that you would bless them and meet them at the point of their need. Grant them peace and strength. And I pray that you'll use them for your further purposes. Thank you again for this evening. It's in your name. Amen. Let me thank you so much for joining me tonight. And I hope that you'll invite other people to join us on Thursday nights. We would love to have you. And thank you. And good night.
See? 